Hi, my name is Deborah Ogden and I would like to welcome you to On Brand With. Through this podcast, I want to bring you into my world of personal brand and impact and hopefully bring it to life through the experiences of me and my guests. Over the coming episodes, I will talk to a range of people I know and admire and ask them about the different ways they use their personal brand, the positive benefits it can bring and what best practice looks like in the real world. I know I say this every time, but I just loved today's conversation. The subjects really resonated with me and I felt they aligned with my approach to work. And funnily enough, I'd never met my guest before. And that guest is Steve Hardesty. I'd recently sat in on a webinar which was all about culture and he talked about dealing with players from overseas and everything that comes with that and I was struck by his empathy and his desire to always do the right thing so I got in touch. Steve is Head of Wellbeing at Huddersfield Giants Rugby League and was recently appointed Head of Wellbeing for England Women's Rugby League in this World Cup year. I really enjoyed the conversation. I was both fascinated and impressed by his dedication to his role and really caring about everybody that crosses his path. And I started by asking Steve how the growing focus on well-being over the pandemic had impacted on his role. Absolutely, absolutely I have. Um, and I think it, it took a pandemic to actually, for a lot of people, for a lot of athletes to actually, you know, really consider their own well-being um within some really tough circumstances if if we think back to the start of the first lockdown i think in lockdown number three now is it yeah. starting back in starting back the first lockdown just seeing um the differences in in people and how they managed to to cope with the circumstances um i i can remember saying it last year and, and I, i'm still believing that I don't think two people had the same experience, mm. um, you know. So, I, I was I was really trying to be empathetic from from the athletes' perspective that are, you know are used to having schedules on a daily basis. They're used to knowing what they're doing in in each day, where to be at what time, for how long, what to wear, and you know, and literally overnight they they lost that structure. Um, so. If I was to share with you, you know, just an example of two athletes and and, com- and, and the comparisons, there was there was an athlete who had um, a, a young family who, who had never had that time before with them. Um, you know, obviously we were blessed with the weather at the time as well, and they really embraced that opportunity to to be at home with with their wife and, and the young children and, and just go on walks and, and just enjoy each other's company compared to you know other athletes who who really struggled after a you know after a number of a, of a number of days um you know really struggle with that loss of of routine um so you know that really hit home the fact that that there was a real mixed bag and 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 well-being and my role in particular was probably more important than than at any other time i guess and and I suppose then in that way, and I think you've hinted at, hinted at it there, that it was about time it happened. It was about time that we started as as a nation, started to think more about well-being. And at least it is on the agenda. And there have been all these buzzwords over the last 12 months, but you hope this is one that really is here to stay. But have you seen a change in the approach because I was thinking in sport anyway but certainly for a sport like rugby league that you know that they're hard men and I don't want to 
uh, fall into stereotypes here, but that is that perception that it's about strength and that does that bring even further challenges? I think so. I do. I think so. And and Deborah, you you mentioned some of the buzzwords that are going around at the moment. I think if you just use the words um, something like resilience, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a real mixed bag of um, of opinion of what actually that that word stands for um, and how that can be described and how it's mm-hmm. applied and what it looks like. And I think with the with the recent things that we've all lived through at the moment. There is a real, um, a real understanding and a different understanding of what resilience may be, um, and and I speak to many athletes on on a daily basis that mention that they thought before that resilience was something that you just had to, you know, apply regardless of the circumstances. You know, resilience was however bad things may be, whether it's in your professional or your personal life. Showing resilience was the kind of the ability to just carry on regardless mm. whereas that's probably the, the furthest thing away from the actual real underpinning um you know description of that of that word so so i think if we if if we use that in particular i think the athletes have, have really seen over time that you know that they've struggled with a range of things um you know the uncertainty to begin with with regards to what we were dealing with mm-hmm. you know when maybe we'd see the light of day again um and you know some of the skills and the coping skills that they that they developed during those times has given me a real understanding of you know if we use that word resilience and and well-being in particular and how much how much maybe they were they were neglecting themselves from that perspective. Um, and like you mentioned, within a sport like rugby league where, you know, the, the, the stigma still does exist of, you know, these these tough superhuman males who are, who, you know, who are invincible or untouchable. Um, we, we really had an opportunity to un- unpack that stereotype um, during this pandemic and, you know, the realisation is these, these people are human beings and, you know, a, a, a lot of the players, once you scratch that hard exterior and you get through those, you know, those, those first couple of um, of layers, you, you see some really vulnerable people who have needs and, mm-hmm. you know, they're, 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 they're just the same as anyone else in society. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, actually. You made me think um, back... Because quite often we wear our, we wear what we do, our our career, our profession, whatever it is we do, very much it becomes our identity, doesn't it? So much of it, and if you peel that away, which some so many people, what I mean, there was, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before. There was that wonderful phrase when somebody said, "We're all." Uh, whether in the set we're all in the same boat and somebody said no we're not we're weathering the same storm but we're all in very different vessels and for me that absolutely summed it up but you know I can remember um, talking to somebody many years ago about a, a very famous comedian and impressionist and somebody saying that actually when you you know he's very gregarious and extrovert when he's playing that role but you very rarely see him playing himself and that vulnerability is there and I don't know just that description you gave then of that you know that player out on the field that performance maybe a long way away from the authentic person within absolutely and one of the one of the real key strands of well-being is to actually you know to develop an identity and and not let i guess your profession um determine who you are and 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 it's it's a real big it's a real big area for um players in particular we talk about from a transitional perspective you know um just the just the demands of the sport will determine that you won't play this game forever. Mm-hmm. And there's there's very few athletes will get to the end of their career and retire on their own terms. Mm. Um, so it's really important to have those conversations early on. And and I guess my, uh, my knowledge and my experiences developed quite significantly over the years of being within the role. I remember when I first started, I used to have these sorts of um, 
transitioning um, communications with players who are maybe coming to the end of their career. Whereas if I compare that now, I'm, I'm having transitional conversations with people at whatever end of the spectrum they are. So brand new professional athletes compared to, you know, players who were 30, 31, 32. And, and within those transitions, it's about creating an identity for when the time comes and you can't play this game anymore full time. Actually, who you are, you know, where do you go then? What, what kind of things do you go on to do? And and I've seen a number of players that suffer from that when it when it may all stop, um, you know, quite abruptly sometimes due to injury or, you know, ju- just not gaining a contract. That's how, you know, that's how serious it can become sometimes. And and they do they do have a period where they are lost because they don't actually know who they are anymore. Now they don't have that profession to fall back on. If that makes sense. Absolutely, because they've been defined by that, haven't they? And it's Absolutely. not just. It's not just how you define yourself. So um, I had a conversation last week with um, some of my members in my membership about, I I talk about your personal brand, sort of the external identity, but then there's that self-image as well, which is where it all starts. But in something for professional athletes, you've not just got the self-image and the, the identity, it's heightened even further because that is what you are known for on a very public level isn't it absolutely absolutely it is and you know like like i mentioned there's there's a lot of former players will 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 struggle with that over a period of time and you, you can really see those players who have we've invested some real meaningful time and effort in actually creating um other things other interests other hobbies outside of that bubble uh, of rugby league and they seem to have even though you know it's it's not smooth sailing for everyone they seem to have much more of a smooth transition um you know when they they have other things that define their lives and other other interests and other and other things that they've been doing over a numerous um amounts of time yeah um it's interesting i was talk my my guest uh, last week was Warren Hegg, who was a former Lancashire cricketer, and he's gone on now to be their head of um, cricket business at Old Trafford. And then you look at people like Earl Crabtree, who's one of the Giants ambassadors, and Andy Boo, that's, you know, so high profile as an ambassador for Huddersfield Town. And all three of those examples are people who I would say have got just great people skills, great communication skills that can walk into a room, that can hold a conversation, that can engage. And how much of that is something that you help the players develop or how much of that comes, I mean, it comes naturally to some people, but is that something that you work with them on? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we always try to be proactive in um, whether that's club sponsors or you know just engaging with people and and trying to take them out of the comfort zone as much as possible and Earl's a fantastic example Deborah of that of someone who who played so many years at the top at the top level but Earl's Earl's career didn't end on his own terms mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I, I know he won't mind me mentioning this but he was so proactive over so many years to actually go and have conversations with people. And that could sometimes be as subtle as um, having some having some conversations with sponsors after a game, you know, upstairs at the stadium. And, and, and it gave him some meaningful time and effort. And, and they they saw something in him there which they could maybe apply and, and, and you know, you use him in a roundabout way to, to really promote and sell their products in relation to their business. So Earl's really reaping the rewards mm-hmm. now of, of all those years of, of giving his time and his effort up to people when he didn't necessarily have to. Um, mm-hmm. Being in that privileged position, you know, he is Mr. Huddersfield Giants, he always will be. Um, but I think if you have five minutes in his company, you, you see how, how modest and how humble he actually mm-hmm. is. And like you mentioned, how much of a good communicator he is. And I know he's worked on that really hard over a number of years and, and you know, he applies, he applies that in different guises now. But yeah, he's, he's a really good example of someone who 
got out of his comfort zone, um, had conversations with people in, in various settings that maybe he was quite unfamiliar with to begin with. And we always try and endorse that to players as much as, as much as we possibly can because, you know, there is a there is a little bit of um kind of a of of a thing where they're just willing to have conversations maybe with with other players about the job that they do on a daily basis and you know I say there's a big wide world out there and there's so many people who are willing to have conversations with you simply because of the role that you do for a for a profession you know so please get out there and take these opportunities. Yeah I mean he's been brilliant at the and I think what the uh, Giants have done brilliantly is the women in business networking that they've set up and Earl's been there at all the events and you know he stands out in a crowd physically anyway doesn't he but um, you can see he just he's just chats to people and people are drawn to him and he's just a very warm personality engaging with people but something you said there that that sort of resonated with me is that being visible and being brave enough to step out of their comfort zones and it virtually feels a bit of an irony that these big strong superheroes on the field uh, that will tackle anything and for most of us we see that as true bravery but true courage sometimes is a much softer thing and it's actually the um, unpeeling that vulnerability and stepping outside the comfort zone that is far far more challenging absolutely it is and i i really try hard to to to, to break down a, a a lot of the stigmas that, in, that 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 exist in the sport but also at huddersfield as well if if you were to have a conversation with a with a handful of players you would find straight away how much they undersell themselves Mm. And you know, and it's it's sometimes just just building that confidence and and building that self esteem, um, for them to actually you know think about all the all the different skills that they have from elite sport that they can transfer into everyday life, um, and and sometimes it's just giving them that platform, um, uh, providing with providing them with that ongoing support, which is a real big part of of my role as well, um, and 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 just. I guess it's just giving them belief in the first instance that they have so much to offer outside of outside of the game. Mm, yeah. Do you keep um, in touch? Have you found that certainly during this last 12 months, one of the things that's been challenged, because I don't know how it's worked for, for you and the team, but have they been able to stay in a bubble all the way through or have you lost that? Because part of that identity is also the pack if you like isn't it it's that part of a team and is that a challenge when people leave leave the sport um it i i think so i think it is and and uh, you know we, we work really hard to to stay in contact with our past players mm. um regardless of whether they they stay in the country or they they go to other clubs overseas we try really hard to stay in touch with with from a well-being perspective to make sure that you know the families are okay if they need anything they can still you know they can still get in touch I'll still try and help them in it you know from a, from a range of um, from a range of ways and that does and that does happen that does continue um I was actually I was actually contacted by a player a couple of weeks ago who probably left the club four maybe five seasons ago mm-hmm. um just asking for if I'd be a reference for him in relation to a role that he's looking to go into in a part-time capacity, so that's that's really nice, um, and that makes you feel like you, you you know you made a difference in the time that you you were with them, um, but yeah, it was it was something I guess during the pandemic where we, we worked really hard on on keeping that those that group dynamic going forwards, you know, from a range of settings, majority you know remote like 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 this, but. Um, but yeah, I think we've. I think I certainly found that the more that the players still felt connected together, um, it, it gave them just a, an opportunity to stay, you know, just to stay grounded and, and give them that kind of coping uh, mechanism that they maybe needed at that time. Um, as much as maybe we, we could never give them, you know, some definitive dates at times, it was just a case of just making sure that 
they, they knew if they needed anything that they, they had each other um, and, and they also have my support going forwards as well. So you've touched on something there you said the impact that you know for somebody to ring you after four years and I'm sure you've made a huge impact on on many many um, players lives as as you've been through your work but so how did you start off I mean did you always want to work in sport did you ever want to be a professional sports person how did your career evolve yeah, I think like every every young male, I think I I had dreams at the time of of being a professional athlete, but soon worked out that that probably wasn't um, the, my path that I was going to take. Um, what so was your I, sport? What was your uh, sport? Oh, rugby league. Rugby was it league. Rugby league? I'm, yeah, I'm I'm from one of the the Heartland areas, so um, yeah, that that was that was something. It was a sport that I've always been interested in. That I've mm-hmm. that I've watched on the terraces with 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 my family since being a being a small child um but yeah my my journey really has been more of a of an academic based one mm-hmm. so um from school and college um i went to study sport and exercise science um at leeds beckett at the time um and then from there i did um i did some traveling like a lot of people do at the moment um and i, I spent quite a lot of time in in australia in new zealand where the the sport is very prominent um it's probably it probably has a profile in those countries that maybe football does here mm-hmm. so there was a lot of opportunities in relation to um becoming involved in development so that was kind of my first my first in really in the sport of of, of working with, with young players um in a range of capacities including coaching um, but I didn't really, I didn't really recognise at the time that a lot of the strands of my current role I, I was probably applying then as well. Um, and when it was time to to come back home, there was um, there was an opportunity of employment with the community trust at the club, uh, which is ten years ago now. Mm. Um, so, so I came back and I was I was responsible for developing the sport in Huddersfield from um, within the capacity of high schools and colleges so that was a role I did for a couple of years um, before um, a role came up actually with the performance element of of the club Um, so it it moved away my role moved away from being probably participation led um, Mm -hmm. to to more of actually working within the professional realms of, of a club and, and preparing players to hopefully progress along the pathway to play Super League because um, as, as you can probably appreciate the the advantages of of developing your own homegrown players um, so I was in that role of, of play performance manager for probably the best part of, of five years and then the role that I'm currently in at the moment Within, within Super League at the time, all clubs had to do um, was evidence two days per week of well-being, which when I think back on that now is, 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 is quite crazy. You know, thinking back with the amount of things I get through on a daily basis, week to week. Um, and I remember um, going for the role at the time at the club and it was in a transitional phase at the, at the time where those two days were being changed into a, into a full-time role. So um, I interviewed for the role, was successful, and um, yeah, that was that was four four and a half years ago now. Um, came into the role, had some had some fantastic mentors, um, at other clubs within the position, um, and I guess that's one of the strengths of of Super League at the moment. As much as I don't feel we always do um, everything right within the sport. I do feel that from a well-being and a welfare capacity, I think the sport stands unrivaled. Um, and I, and I think the network that I can call upon. So there's a, there's an equivalent of me at every Super League club, Mm -hmm. um, including Catalan Dragons and just the network that we have and the willingness to help out each other, because even though each club's environment is unique, um, we we do face very similar things on a day to day basis, mm-hmm. and we can call, I can call on support of of anyone at any time. So and also from a well being perspective for myself as well, um, being within the role, I've become 
far more aware of of my own well-being as well Mm -hmm. so a real understanding of I have to look after myself first Mm -hmm. to then allow me to help others um and yeah it's it's something that's just gone from strength to strength I, I have big plans for the role um going forwards and but but I think we make a real distinct difference on a day-to-day basis with not only our players but our staff as well so from a well-being point of view um when I'm when I'm talking to clients one of the things that for true well-being for true happiness for true fulfillment in a role it quite often comes to fulfilling your purpose and and um serving other people and helping other people and is that something that you feel you get your well-being from fulfilling that purpose on a day-to-day basis I think so I've, I've always I've always really enjoyed um helping people mm-hmm. and I think from a from a from an elite um environment I was very aware from from early on when I looked around the department that it was from a coaching perspective. There was there was ex international players mm. of the caliber of the likes of Luke Robinson, who had a a wonderfully illustrious career, um, and, and I can remember looking around and thinking, where where do I fit in mm-hmm. relation to this department? And and the more that you know, I I really threw myself into into welfare and well being. I really got comfortable in the fact that probably this is my niche. This is something mm. that that suits me the best. Um, and I don't mind sharing with you, Deborah. I probably I I learn um, the most out of the most severe tragedy at the club, um, which is probably going back four four and a half years now, where we we lost one of our academy players. Um, he actually lost his life um, during a fixture mm-hmm. um, due to. Um, when you, when you talk about marginal gains, we mm-hmm. I I talked to staff who were there on the day, and, and and those are marginal losses that day. There were so many things that that happened, um, all in sequence, which mm-hmm. just led to the most tragic circumstances. And from myself, who'd never really experienced loss before, mm-hmm. um, I learned a lot about myself over the next twelve to fourteen months of 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 losing a young local player. Um, the impact that I saw not only obviously on his on his immediate family but just the the other academy players at, at the club um, and you know there's there's no template for that and it's a case of how do we deal with this how do we how do we go forwards and from a personal perspective I was very I was very aware, and it took me a while, I was very aware from the fact that I probably spent so much time looking out for others and I really overlooked my own well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that perspective, I, I learned so many things from the mistakes that I made during that period. Um, and, you know, four and a half years on, we we still remember Ronan and Ronan Costello and, and, and what he was and what, and what we all hoped he'd be. Um, just a just a fantastic young young man, um, who had the you know had his career in front of him, um, but out of that tragedy, I learned so much. I felt that I can now apply to the to 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 the everyday role and help support in a range of circumstances because there is some really sad um situations that that we have to deal with at times, as you can probably appreciate, mm. um, and and. With the well-being role, it's it's really hard to plan sometimes, and you, you sometimes feel that you're moving on quite um quite efficiently, and you feel like you're doing a really good job, and then something could just mm. come out of left field, and you sometimes think to yourself, where do I start with this? How do I support these people who it affects? Um, but also at the same time, without digressing too much, probably the most um valuable piece of seed pd that i've that i've ever done is um training in um counseling skills Mm. which all welfare managers within the sport have to be competent within and um not only has that really taken my ability to do the role onto another level and, and applied so many more dimensions i also learned so much about myself as well Mm-hmm. and um the the things that I learned that I try and apply every day within the workplace I also apply to my own life as well yeah li- life can be so 
cruel, can't it? But I would think it is intensified in, in your role and being able to keep yourself protected but also be there to immerse yourself enough, it, it's finding the right balance. Absolutely. And I think it's a really good selling point, Debbie, when I speak to um, players about at times they may need some additional support and a big part of my role is signposting and actually being aware of what my limitations are from my own professional skill so that there's athletes who, who require therapeutic care that, that's provided to them externally and sometimes just a sentence to them about I have supervision sessions myself, you know, I'm, I'd, and, you know, I will openly um, and, and honestly admit that I probably paid those lip service in the first instance, but I don't know what I'd do without those sessions now. And, and probably the, the clearest description I can give you is when, when I go to one of those sessions and, and I sit with a counsellor and I just offload all my thoughts and my feelings to that person is, it's kind of walking in with a with a laundry basket full of of, of dirty washing, and then mm. I I leave that place with it, it's all clean and tidied and folded, and you know everything's just back in place again for me. So, you know, just just providing my own experiences sometimes to athletes really breaks down some barriers for them as well because we're all human beings. Absolutely, yeah, that that is so true. And one of the things that. Um, I said in the introduction that um, I first heard you speak a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago now, talking about your role and about culture and about your well-being role at the club. And one of the things that you talked about was people being curious and being lifelong learners. And I just wonder if that's something that personally helps you constantly being curious and never believing that you're the finished article and you can always learn from these situations. Yeah, I, I believe so, and and that's something I'm I'm you know I'm very conscious of, um, you know it's the old adage of of you never stop learning, you know, and there's and there's so many other things that, even if we take something like um, intercultural effectiveness that mm -hmm. we, you know, we 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 did some work on over over the last couple of weeks, that is still a, an area which fascinates me, and and it's mm -hmm. something that. You know, I'm really keen to learn more about because there's there's so many valuable lessons and and you know pieces of knowledge that I can continue to apply to my own setting and in my own environment to make sure that I'm doing the very best that I can for the athletes and their families. Yeah, and just I mean I think we were talking off mic beforehand. Your your new role with with the ladies' game as well with the women's game. Have you seen some differences there? I mean, you must. You know, we're made differently, aren't we? We we tick yeah. differently. Have you seen some valuable? Um, have you had some valuable learnings there? Oh, absolutely! It's been absolutely fascinating, and I think my my very first impression of of the ladies of the support staff there is just the level of gratitude that they have. Um, it's it 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 took me aback a little bit, if I'm honest, and and I guess that's. That's probably down to my own professional um, kind of conditioning, I guess, a little bit of I'm, I'm used to not having, you know, pats on the back on a daily basis, if that makes sense. I, I am used to being there for people all the time. And I guess one of the biggest differences was, um, you know, some of the ladies who I had some real early initial conversations and consultations with just just how thankful they were. Um, you know, I, I was very aware of some some ladies within the squad who were probably in the, either the third or the fourth World Cup phase. Mm -hmm. And some of those ladies are real trailblazers and pioneers of the game. And and they're used to, you know, if they go back to the start of their um of their journey as players, you know, they will come for some real humble settings where, mm -hmm. you know, they maybe didn't have the staff around them or or the support or the exposure that they do have now. Um but I guess the, the biggest difference from, from my own perspective in the role that I do with them is how willing the ladies are of coming forwards and, and talking about their feelings. Okay. Um, and the role within the men's game is always going to be me initially um, instigating those conversations and going to players and going to athletes and their families. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm more than comfortable with that. 
but that has been the biggest difference for me. I, I, I see that a lot of the ladies will come forwards. There is no stigma there of, of speaking about the feelings if they are struggling with whatever, you know, they, they have on their minds or that they're more than willing just to come forwards and say, Steve, th- this is what I'm thinking about. This mm. is what I'm struggling with. Kind of what do you think kind of mm. thing. And that's mm. that's been so refreshing for me as well. And, you know, it's that really simplifies the role in its yeah. in its you know, in its in its purest form as well when, when people are coming forwards with those things. Yeah, you can help rather than having to sell it first yeah. and sell it in. And is that something that you think will become easier as we move move along? And from a mindset point of view, and again I think this is something you talked about when I when I first heard you speak how much is mindset part of the success of these athletes because you get people and I find it in my role I get some say I'm working with lawyers or or professional services some people that are technically brilliant but they either lack the mindset or those communication or softer skills how much of that makeup makes a successful athlete I think it's a considerable area Mm. um and from from my own role, I I'm I always stay connected with performance staff, whether that's be strength and conditioning coaches, physiotherapists, technical tactical coaches. They have such a an important role within the development of not only athletes but people as well. So you know it's 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 really important that I raise the awareness of, you know, making sure that we're providing an environment for these people to actually apply those skills and, and, and develop those those sorts of things that you've just spoken about, in particular around mindset. And, you know, no one wants to come into their to their working environment and just be spoken at every minute mm. of every minute of the day. And I think at times we have been as a sport, we have been a little bit guilty of that and not actually maybe open the room up enough to actually get someone's opinion or or you know get a difference of kind of uh, how you'd apply certain things in this setting you know due to your experience and I think the more we do that and the more we involve our athletes and our people in our journeys towards our common goal I think the the we have a much um, we have a much stronger kind of sense of an opportunity to be successful together. And you took you touched on the intercultural um, role and and learning more about those areas, and I I find this absolutely fascinating. And just in the short conversation I heard you um, deliver on on the webinar a few weeks ago, you, you we have an unconscious bias. There is absolutely no question of that. And having that self awareness and just challenging ourselves sometimes the way we approach situations. But even on the simplest level, I, I don't know if it was yourself or one of the other uh, women on the call that said, you know, if English isn't somebody's first language, then they will have a more limited vocabulary and they may not be able to express themselves as subtly as we would experience. And therefore, it comes across as a lot more direct. And to me, that had never occurred to me before. And, you know, I said to you earlier, I've worked in uh, professional sport with overseas players in cricket and that had never occurred to me. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 fascinating. It's such a such an important role, and it's such an important area of of education again for staff who have so much contact with with our athletes on a day to day basis, and just making them aware of certain things that they may feel in the first instance be be quite a point of frustration for them, whether that's something as subtle as uh, an athlete not providing them with eye contact or. Mm you know maybe not being so quick to respond to a to a question about something that's technically or tactically related and and there could be some real subtle um reasonings behind that and you know and, and differences within culture and, it, and it's really important that we that we appreciate those those differences um but it's i, I do I'm, I'm i'm such a believer that you know education is the key um and 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 these 
I guess areas where people on on face value may may not see them to be too too important. I think over time it makes such a difference to people, in particular during those initial, um, you know, exchanges when you are trying to build relationships that are based on mutual respect and and trust as well. It's really important. Yeah. And you, took, you touched on marginal gains before, but it's each of these small areas, isn't it? When it comes to communication, whether it's eye contact, language, nonverbal communication, that, you know, as a whole, they make such a huge impact on how we relate and engage with each other. Absolutely. And, and I had a wonderful overseas player who's in the, in the last off season left the club. Um, at the end of his playing contract, um, it was a gentleman called Akuma Tai, and Akuma was um, he was from Tonga, and he was just over a number of years, you know, I'm so proud of our relationship that we managed to build that was based on mutual respect. You know, he respected my role at the club and that I was trying to achieve, and I had utmost respect for him and and how he, you know. If you use that term professionalism and, and how broad that may be at time, he just epitomised professionalism for how he conducted himself, not only on but away from the field. If you talk about gratitude, if you talk about manners and just treating people how you'd like to be treated yourself. But also Akuma was invaluable to me in relation to, you know, um, education around those intercultural exchanges um, and how brilliant it was for me at, at building relationships, whether that's, you know, those those initial greetings or, you know, ju- just a way in for me to, to, you know, to really start communicating with athletes and families on, the, on, the, on their levels and, and providing me with so much insight into the differences in cultures and, you know, I, I did learn through mistakes, especially in the in the um, in the earlier days. But I'm I'm really proud on my skill set now, and and I'm really confident when a, when an overseas player, in particular, joins our environment with with their families, I feel like I can make a real positive first impression now. And and a lot of thanks is 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 down to that person in particular. So, out of interest, what's he gone on to do? Akuma is is still playing the game, he? but it, it, yeah, he's playing at a lower level now. Mm-hmm. Um, but but he's someone who who I hope to still be speaking to in a you know in ten years time. Yeah. He, um, I, I was really taken aback um, last year, um, just just out of the blue. He, he contacted me on my on one of my children's birthdays, and and I don't know to this day how we found that out, you know. But he he took the time to to you know have it make a phone call to to speak to my daughter as well and that that had such an impact and you know that was that was new for me um you know within my role but yeah just someone who you know I'll always stay in contact with and just I'll, I'll you know be forever grateful to him for what he did for me I know we're audio, but um, I can see your face as you relay that story and, and, you know, you can see how much that means to you. And just by listening and just by being curious and just by caring about people. And for me, I always say it's simple, but it's not easy. It's the stuff that is available to every single one of us, but it just takes a little bit of thought and commitment. Absolutely, it does. And and a lot of things we've spoken about. If if when I when I spoke about the um, the professional development with regards counselling skills, and, mm. and and the biggest thing was was providing people with those um, you, you know with those settings to the, be themselves with regards to empathy, unconditional positive regard, and just being congru- congruent with them. And those are. Those are skills, like you say, Debbie. You can apply to everyday life in in so many different settings, and if and if you, you know, if you are genuine with with people, then you know you'll find that there's some magnificent things can happen on the back of that. Do you think then? I'm just um, going to start to wind the conversation up. But do you think then, looking back to that maybe thirteen, fourteen year old boy that wanted to be a rugby league star? When you look at the impact that you've probably had on the game in your professional capacity, do you think you could have ever have made that impact as a player and the difference that you have brought to the sport? Oh, absolutely not. Um, you know, I, I do feel, I do feel so um, grateful for for what I get to do every day on a daily basis. 
and you know like I mentioned I, I, there's still so many things that I want to apply within the role that I feel like I've still so much um, areas with, within that role to improve on um, but yeah just I, you know it's never lost on me just the fact that I, I get to go in and work with with athletes on a daily basis and you know the differences that we've we've managed to make and it's not just myself you know mm. right across the game like I mentioned just the just the community that we have with with player welfare managers and you know the underpinning charity that that provides us all with this basis so Chris Rostron at Rugby League Cares who does a magnificent job Steve McCormack who's who's head of the wellbeing program at Cares um and and just the wonderful people that I, I get to work with on a daily basis it's 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 I'm I'm so lucky I'm I'm and, and it's such a such a fantastic role to be, to be able to you know affect people's lives and help them in a positive way. So without putting you on the spot and asking you specifics, what what's in the what's on that wish list then going forward for for well being as a community as well as within the sport? Yeah, I think it's I'd I'd really like to unpack and develop more around actually supporting our families um and, and our children um that that's a that's a real area of 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 interest for me i know i can do more in relation to that i know the organization can do more and i think there's some things that if we if we were to do better with that there's there's the potential there to to really make some some big strides forwards to to make sure that our athletes and, and our families are you know, a, a feeling looked after, and 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 you know that they really feel valued by by the organisation and the sport. Um, there's also some areas around um, education that I can improve on as well to support players in whatever capacity. We have a number of players at the moment who are who are real seriously contemplating about starting some courses at, at undergraduate level. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully in September um, of this year. So that that's another strand that you know i'm learning all the time and 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 actually you know creating that network of people who can who can provide those players with support like we talked about having those conversations that are outside of the comfort zone and and just making those as as comfortable as i possibly can in particular in the um in the opening exchanges of of building relationships with people outside of the organization so it's it's just something I'm really passionate about. Like I say, my background is through is from an academic base as well, and and I see the effects of, um, the beneficial effects of of athletes that do have those additional interests and hobbies that go alongside their profession, and how much they they thrive and 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 how much they flourish away from the field. And I'm desperate to have that for for everybody at the club. Can you spot the ones that are going to make it afterwards through be it through aptitude or attitude? I think there is some signs um mm. there is some signs there and, and I think over experience you, you you do get to you know you do become more aware of that and and there is certain things you know success leaves clues everywhere and and you know there's lots of good ex- examples of that and I think it's important to continue to use um, from a playing perspective to, to use their peers as well as much as possible because there's so many athletes who are applying themselves in in various settings and doing a fantastic job and they, you know they will they will have some brilliant success after after their career finishes as well so it's all it's all exciting you've you've um, quoted one of my favorite quotes there success leaves clues so yeah. um who do you admire? Who's your role model? Who do you look up to? Oh, there's a, there's a there's a number of people. Um, I've I've really I've really gained a lot over over recent few months with the I've I've got quite into podcasts during mm-hmm. during lockdown and the the high performance podcast has been fantastic for me. Absolutely um, superb, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and and I've not missed an episode. I know um, Damien Hughes and 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 Jake is it Jake Humphreys? Yeah, um, yeah. just fantastic hosts, and I, and I'm aware of Damien's work in particular mm. within the sport of rugby league, and you know some of the some of the things that he he applies his work around, um, and just a just a real big fan of all the you know, all the speakers that I've had on the podcast, you know, including the likes of Kevin Sinfield and yes, and, yeah. and, and Sean Wayne in particular. And, and you know, 
speaking about Kevin Sinfield in particular, yeah. you know, if you just listen to the podcast, there's 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 no there's no point and and no area of that context where you know Kevin's putting an act or or displaying something that's not genuine. That is him, mm-hmm. um, and it's you know you you just be faulted not to be not to be inspired by that, you know, and it's. Um, yeah, it's it's just wonderful stuff, and I've and I'm really really enjoying um, following that journey. You know, it's been brilliant. Yeah, a, a couple of things from that. I sat next to uh, Kevin at uh, after a, a a walk one day, and he yeah. really is just a genuine, genuine guy. And seeing the work, the the fundraising he's done for his good friend, and such a sad, sad uh, story of of Rob Burrow, but. Um, also, just going back to uh, Damien Hughes, I, a, a good friend of mine has written a book actually and has a podcast around sales and what you can learn from sporting performance. Yeah. And she introduced me to Damien Hughes. And I know you're a, a father of young daughters. And he said he talked about when your child comes home from nursery with the piece of artwork and you look at it and you haven't got a clue what it is and he said you know the the temptation is to say of course it's absolutely wonderful and you know you're an absolute genius but he's very much of the no that's not great you know you have to manage their expectations and uh yeah um I think my two favorites in there were I I loved the Casper Spike can't even say Casper Schmeichel um episode I thought he came across as such an intelligent um guy and some really great insights as a professional athlete but I'm, I've, I've loved them and I'm still working my way through them yeah so. there's, quite, there's quite a few now isn't there on the actual um, on the actual series yeah yeah absolutely oh that's brilliant well really enjoyed the conversation today Steve thank you so much for your time I think we could have talked about many more things but just loved that insight into how you how you approach well-being in you, you know with your athletes but I love the fact that you talk about them as people they're not just sportsmen they are people as well so thank you very much thank you very much for having me thank you I hope you've enjoyed today's conversation and I'd love you to join in the conversation as well. The best way to do that is through social media and I can be found at Instagram and Twitter at DO underscore impact. If you'd like to sign up for my newsletter or learn more about my monthly membership, The Impact Club, please visit the website at deborahogden.com. If you've enjoyed this episode of On Brand With, I would so appreciate it if you would rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people know we exist. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to On Brand With. It was hosted by Deborah Ogden and produced by me, Anthony Short. This has been an A Short Stories production.